Hello and welcome to the Odd Couple Podcast. This is Siddharth here. I'm Dr. Shish. So today with us we have Dr. Vinayak Vijayakumar, who has completed his MBBS and DPM from Kasturba Medical College, Manipal, and who went on to specialize in addiction from King's College, London. He's a highly respected and widely published psychiatrist who was the recipient of the International Scholars in Addiction Studies Award in 2016. So happy to have you on this podcast, Vinay, if I may call you that. Thank you guys. Really happy to be here. Vinay, my man, am I so glad to bring the doctor on board this conversation which we've been having for the past one year. You know, I, I mean, this podcast really needed some mental health. We've been having mental health issues and we really needed someone to come and sort all that up. Right, Sid? Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, happy to come and chat with you guys about this. This is kind of the hot topic these days, especially considering the pandemic and the kind of things people are going through. So yeah, let's get started. So Vinay, you'd be the best person to tell us because all of us have been stuck between four walls working from home with this pandemic hitting us last year and still continuing to do so. And there's a lot of uncertainty. I know personally, we had like, I had pay cuts. I know a lot of colleagues who lost their jobs. There's um, a lot of depression going around and people probably don't identify it as depression or as a mental health issue. So to start off from a general perspective, what is this mental health all about? And if you can give us like an umbrella overview of it, and then we can try and get into the specifics of mental health and take it forth from there and get some kind of clarity. Yeah. So like you said, this, you know, this pandemic has brought in a lot of attention towards mental health. And to be honest, the, statistics related to depression and anxiety was really high and was very predominant even before the pandemic but you know it obviously just shot up after this and a lot of people are talking about it because reasons why people get depressed and anxious especially when you talk about the pandemic it, it's quite obvious they can have health anxiety they can have issues related to loss of job you know financial stress all this causing a cluster of depressive and anxiety symptoms. But talking about mental health, you know the saying, there's no health without mental health. So you, you just can't ignore that part. You can't say physical health is separate and mental health is separate because we are one and we can't really disconnect our mind and body and say, you know, this is this part is important, this part is not important. I can, you know, go on about how Mental health problems can cause diabetes and depression and all kinds of medical problems. Yes, the importance of mental health is obviously come to the forefront now. And it's good because I think people are reacting to it and learning to live in ways that reduce stress, improve coping mechanism, basically in ways where they can promote positive mental health. You made a great point because I think during this pandemic, there have been far more recognizable triggers, as you mentioned, right, which is triggering off depression, which is triggering triggering anxiety and other uh, related mental health issues. But I remember about nearly a decade back, I had serious anxiety and I'm not sure it is depression or diagnosis depression, but definitely uh, extreme anxiety. But I had a great doctor, uh, Dr. Amar of Axon, hats off to him. He said, Sid, there's nothing wrong with you. I think you need to meet a psychiatrist and take a look at it because I think you need psychiatric help. 
But the first thing that went through my mind was that, oh my God, what will all my friends think? What will, that I'm going to meet a psychiatrist? <laughs> like, have I gone cuckoo, right? So there is a certain amount of taboo. But I said, you know what? I don't care. And I just went for it. And it was the best thing I ever did. Seeking professional help to sort it out. And as you said, no, how to cope with it? And, and how do you come out? And I'm happy to say, like, Thanks to those coping mechanisms or coping strategies that the doctor mentioned to me, I've been anxiety-free for, what, five years now? But I'm saying, why is there so much of a taboo to go see a psychiatrist or to come and take an appointment with you? Why is that taboo there? Why is is a very hard question to answer. But the fact that it exists is so obvious, even in all classes, in all categories of people. My own friends, they have clear-cut anxiety symptoms. They come talk to me about it. And when I suggest medications, there's immediately a kind of, they take a step back, they withdraw, and they're like, no, 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 we know about psychiatry medicines and we don't want to go down that path. And two weeks down the line, they will have chest pain and the ECG would be normal and the cardiologist would prescribe them the same medicine and they're happy to take it. So there is this apprehension and fear of going to see a psychiatrist and taking the treatment because of maybe generations of people equating mental illness to being mad because of generations of doctors, just general doctors telling patients that, no, 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 don't go to psychiatrists. You'll, you'll end up taking medicines lifelong, you know, stay away from them. I mean, I'm talking about doctors. So even when people with this level of education, you know, kind of promote and convey these kind of messages. It's very tough for the lay person to look beyond all this and, you know, break these barriers and come forward. And I think it's made worse by mainstream media also, like movies and everything, portraying it in a negative light. Absolutely. No, but Sid, if for me, you know what, like what Vinay had said earlier on, which is the fact that we have a lot of people who deal with a lot of stress issues. Right. And um, the stress issues might be mental, but they never look at it that there's a problem mentally until and unless the the physical uh, manifestations happen, like heart attack, chest pain, hypertension, diabetes. And once all of these start happening, they still start looking for treatment for that and probably not realizing that, you know, there are other stress factors which are there so there's a lack of education like what Vinay had mentioned which is people are starting to understand that you know your stress starts leading to of or mental pressures start leading to other problems you know? no no I agree with you Ashish but at the same time I disagree with you because I mean you you're a doctor so is he right but I went to a psychiatrist purely because my GP the my doctor who I went and met for all those physical manifestations of what is happening in my head, right? I was, obviously, all of us will think it's only a physical problem. Now, that person said, you know what? Your ECG is normal. Everything is fine. It is all just a manifestation. And hence, you need to meet a psychiatrist. You need a medical professional to direct you towards the right thing. And I think that is important. And that's where I disagree with you because it's not your GP that is the one that's catching it for you. It's you who accepted it and took it. Because I'll tell you, I have a lot of patients who come with a lot of pain issues or whatever they come with. And there are certain types of pain which are psychological. 
And if I say now, uh, listen, you know what, what you're feeling, which you think is physical is not really physical, but a mental issue. And, you know, you need to see a psychiatrist now because pain also is treated by the psychiatrist sometimes. You know, but they don't accept that. They don't accept that diagnosis. They said, you know what, you don't know what is really wrong with me. And that's why you're not telling me what it is. You're not telling me to go and meet. They don't want to believe that statement. So you're an anomaly according to me. I want to say that both of you are absolutely right. And you're highlighting exactly what the problem is. This happens at two levels. The first level, many GPs don't do what Sid's GP did. They don't refer to psychiatrists they, because one, they, they, they feel like they might lose the patient. They feel like this is not something. They have this stigma in their mind that, you know, psychiatrist means lifelong medicines and, you know, all kinds of things. So at that level, Sid was lucky. And the second level of acceptance, he was able to accept that advice and go. So a lot of people don't. Like you said, they stop there and say, no, 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 thank you. But no, I'm going... I don't mind seeing three cardiologists, but I'm not seeing a psychiatrist. <laughs> and th th this is how it, it takes me at least 15-20 minutes to win over the trust of a patient when he comes. I, I, I'll tell him this. I'll be like, okay, so I can prescribe you a medicine for your chest pain. I can prescribe you a medicine for your palpitations. I can prescribe you medicines for your sweating. I can prescribe you medicines for your dizziness. I can prescribe you medicines for your lack of sleep. Would you like seven different types of medicine? Or if I told you there's just one kind of counseling and one medicine that can cure all this. And I have to kind of, you know, make him understand that we have to deal with the cause and not just what you see on top of the iceberg because there's more to it than just the physical manifestations of what they're going through. Correct. But you, you just started sounding like Sadhguru right now to me. <laughs> But it's all, it is all related, you know that. It, I mean, if you deal with certain problems at the mind level, you don't really have to worry too much about the physical manifestations. And, and, and I said this at the beginning, I was talking about, you know, diabetes and hypertension, lifestyle diseases. Depression is the most disabling disorder in the world. It causes the highest disability. So, you know, you have to realize that it's all connected. If you're depressed, and there's there's a scientist, there's a study, and I'll tell you this is quite fascinating. They took a bunch of people, they injected them with the common cold virus, the rhinovirus, not the coronavirus, a normal common cold rhinovirus. They took a bunch of people who were depressed and injected them with the same virus. The people who were depressed, the majority of them recovered much later than the people who were not depressed. And this is physical recovery of fever, of the cold, of all this, not, not, not the feelings of you know, tiredness. This is physically monitored symptoms. So it shows that the, you know, the mental aspects affects your immune response. It affects your you know, health in all kinds of ways. I mean, just to highlight that point. I completely agree with Vinay because a lot of people are hesitant to go to a psychiatrist. Yes, we mentioned a lot of thing but also in mainstream media what happens is that and that's something which went through my head one is a taboo side what will my family think what will my friends think that's one side of it the other side of it is oh my god am i going to get addicted to medication point number one or worse like what i used to see in movies where mohanlal gets electrocuted and is going on a 
on a, on a stretcher after those what is it electro consult what convulsive therapy yeah that's what i thought is going to happen to me but then i realized going through the process that usually all these things are far more scarier than than what it really is so let me tell you this the lay person or the general population's apprehension is not completely unfounded because they do have some right to be skeptical when you know talking about psychiatry or meeting a psychiatrist because sadly ours is not a foolproof science i cannot do a chest x-ray or a blood test and say okay this person like how a person can be diagnosed with tb i can't diagnose him with you know tests and mri scans sadly i'm still depending on history taking and eliciting symptoms so because we are still at that stage uh, there's a lot of skepticism and that's why th- there is a lot of neglect that's happening towards the area of mental health people with uh, mental health problems their insurance doesn't cover them only because th- there's no evidence like they will say what is the evidence that you're schizophrenic what is the evidence that you're depressed i can't do a blood test it's based on symptoms so that's why the insurance companies are hesitant i mean obviously america's way ahead and they have and understood that we can't wait till the stage where we get those kind of evidence and people are suffering and they need it and they've included a lot of mental health problems in their insurance systems but sadly we we're, we're still not a kind foolproof science we don't have much evidence and because of that there's a lot of skepticism in in different fields not only with patients but with the you know insurance companies with with the law with every aspect excellent point no correct but um, another thing which i wanted to talk about vinay was we talked about it from a perspective of okay a lack of knowledge etc from a patient perspective and sometimes from even a medical perspective there is there is a lack of of understanding within our community maybe it's it's a social problem a bigger social problem like india itself but you know as as a friend who has lost a couple of friends to depression also the one thing that always strikes me at the end of the day is they were always happy you know i never saw them sad do they generally keep all of this well within themselves and it doesn't come out or is it just a lack of my attention to pick up this kind of stuff your going into a point which you know will i'll have to discuss about the kind of problems where a person can think about harming themselves i think themselves. for for most of our listeners we we really love to know because th- these are circumstances which we deal with after we have lost somebody like i remember the incident last year with uh, the shushant the, the actor where we had the whole uh, whole of india rallying up and here on screen you see this really happy guy etc and then later on we find out that you know he is really depressed and the people who who are surrounded by him are usually caught off guard i'd like to know and understand the, why is it that we all miss this and uh, and we only find out later on no so i'll tell i'll put it this way if a person is severely depressed to the point where they're suicidal they're not eating they're not sleeping they're dysfunctional and i think that's what i read about shashanti he had this problem for months and he was on treatment for it for months so it wasn't like it came out of the blue because he was clinically i think diagnosed so if a person is severely depressed like that it's very hard for the people who are close to them to miss it it's very hard but self harm behavior and suicidal behavior is not limited to depression 
there are a lot of personality disorders like borderline personality disorder the emotionally unstable personality disorders where they are happy they are fine a small thing can immediately trigger them to spiral into a, a really depressed mood which goes into a suicidal thought it could happen in a matter of few minutes so people with these personalities are very impulsive they don't really think about things and they might have had a past history of self harm behaviors could be risk cutting could be threatening to do something could be threatening to you know jump out or they would have given some kind of hints so suicidal behavior can happen even outside the context of depression but when a person is severely depressed it's very tough for the people who are close to him to miss it because it it really affects all aspects of their life and also to expand on that is that i think having a support system is very important having friends to help you out and tell them listen it's okay go meet a psychiatrist or i've met a lot of my friends who exhibited certain behavior but since i went through the process they were just so happy oh my god said did you really go through that okay who did you meet what it is and they feel far more at ease to go meet a psychiatrist because one of our close friends or family has actually had a positive experience about and that's where it comes to my next question because a lot of people do the other way around they don't meet a psychiatrist but they depend on the friends and family and their support system to get them through it and not go meet a professional like how you normally do for any kind of physical aiding yeah so that's a valid point and to be honest there's nothing wrong with depending on your friends for advice i would say if your friends give sound advice and that advice helps you cope you don't need a psychiatrist because then your problem isn't that severe i and this is how we differentiate depression from sadness this is how we dip- differentiate feeling tense from anxiety because people can feel tense people can feel sad people can feel upset but they have their support systems it could be an internal coping mechanism it could be friends it could be family to guide them through it and they get out of it so they are not clinically depressed or anxious but if it's getting to a point where it's causing dysfunction like you're not able to do the things that you normally do what gave you pleasure is not giving you that pleasure anymore you don't have the energy levels anymore you're not able to work anymore it's affecting your sleep if it starts kind of permeating through all the aspects of your life and starts to kind of bother you and obviously at that point i don't think advice from friends would be enough and that's when i think the friends should probably say hey you know this is beyond what i can do you guys probably should go you should probably go talk to a psychiatrist or even a psychologist and this is very and i'm getting to this psychologist and psychiatrist because a lot of people still are confused about this <laughs> oh vinay you know what that is exactly that was exactly the next question which i had guys stay tuned on the odd couple podcast we'll just take a quick break and we'll be right back You're listening to the Odd Couple podcast. Odd Couple podcast. A Pandemia Inc production. Are you ready? A friendly fireside chat with friends where no topic is beyond a healthy discussion punctuated with a laugh or two. Check it out. Tune in every fortnight on your favorite podcast network. Hey guys, welcome back. You're listening to the Odd Couple podcast. So today with us we have Dr. Vinayak Vijay Kumar. a psychiatrist uh, who's been guiding us through the whole maze that is the mental health and when i just made a perfect point uh, actually that was my exact question next because when i had the problem which i did 
I didn't know who should I go see, a psychiatrist, a psychotherapist, a psychologist, a counselor. I was totally confused. Can you just help me decipher what these or your friendly neighborhood orthopedician? No, definitely not Dr. Ashish for these issues. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, there, there's a lot of confusion about this, but it's I, I don't this is a answer even google can solve but i'll tell you guys because you know i know you might know this but a lot of people in india still don't psychiatrists are doctors so we go through the normal mbbs routine before we specialize in psychiatry so we are doctors primarily and we are the only ones who can prescribe medications for any kind of mental health issues psychologists can do a lot of counseling can do psychotherapy can do a lot of assessment psychometric assessments they can assess your intelligence your personality they can rate your depression rate your anxiety so they are well versed with both assessment and non medical treatments for any kind of mental health issues psychotherapists are basically people who are only specialized in therapy so they can guide you through cognitive behavioral therapy interpersonal therapy mindfulness based therapy group therapy so there are lots of kind there are lots of therapies i mean there's therapies that involve communities there's therapies that involves families so they are specialized in therapies and in that there are people who are specialized in addiction there are people who are specialized in depressions people who specialize in anxiety there are marital therapists there are you know sex therapists you know, there are a lot of specializations there counselors honestly it's kind of a very a lay term it's not a very scientific term i'll give you the difference between counseling and psychotherapy is this psychotherapy is a two way street the client and the therapist are equal and they work together in finding solutions to the problems counseling is more a one way street where the counselor tells them do this do this do this. that's why we have career counseling because it's a one way street hey you say what do you want to do these are your options so it's it's more a dictative kind of a directorial thing where it's it's not more of a um, it's less collaborative and it's more just a individual kind of saying these are the things that will help you so counseling is probably the thing that you don't really associate much with mental health and all this it's it happens at a very basic level you can give counseling for depression just to tell the person what depression's about but that's very different from therapy because the therapy is a two way street you need to do as much talking as a therapist so to to figure out you know how to deal with these kind of problems there was one more thing which i wanted to ask you vinay is that I I think I was lucky meeting a psychiatrist and I was open and he solved everything for me and it was like it was like a perfect storm but I know a lot of people who meet psychiatrists right or meet therapists psychotherapists but they keep jumping from one to the other and and they are unable to find one which actually helps them uh and they're desperately searching for this particular help so why does it happen and could you throw some light on that? it could be because many mental health conditions by research they've proven that a combination of medications and psychotherapy yields the best result so when a person really is reluctant to take medicines and his anxiety 
or his depression is at a point where therapy is just not enough, they might attribute it to the therapist's inadequacy and keep shifting and moving on, thinking that it's not working. So, you know, sometimes it comes down to the fact that therapy might just not be enough. If you're looking at severe depression or addiction or severe anxiety or bipolar disorder or schizophrenia, you need the help of medications because therapy is going to augment or enhance the benefits and improvement that you get with medicines. But as a standalone treatment, it's not going to be enough. Wonderful. I think that clarified a lot. Yeah, but also I think, Sid, that, you know, if, if you do look and feel a medicine, like when I have a patient who comes in for surgery and we counsel, counsel them that, okay, you need to undergo surgery, you find that they will go through one or two surgeons. And uh, if you actually look at it, they're all pretty much on the same level, same profession, experience, etc. But why do they get operated from one and not the other? It just comes down to connect and communication and you know sometimes you just communicate better with with someone else other than the other and that's what it is i feel you know sometimes you just find that bond and that person speaks your language and and it's it's subtle no that's exactly i said uh i think i was very lucky to find that comfort factor and it kind of worked out well for me but i think we also made some great point where it's just a psychotherapy alone is not enough but you need a multi-pronged approach. Ashish, so you probably have seen this a little bit in your field. So how do you deal with people who don't believe in orthopedicians, but believe only in that traditional caste thing that they wear, right? So they might have severe displaced fractures, which are going to cause chronic, non-healing, all kinds of problems, but they will still re- refuse to go to an orthopedician and go and get that that traditional thing just because they have no belief so uh, you know it's something that you deal with and how do you deal with that oh, it's very very difficult Vinay. very difficult and the sad part is what i find that the people who are most affected in that segment are the people who have no voice for themselves and their children and uh, you can you can cry out to them you can urge them you can tell them everything sometimes it's monetary for them and you can try and guide them still to the government center. But I think there's just only so much you can do. I mean, in my field, at least, we can try and counsel them and tell them. But then ultimately, usually by the time I have to, once they deal with the acceptance, they've already burnt their hand and then they're coming back with full blisters and infection. And, and usually the child suffers. So, yeah, it's very difficult. We really don't have an answer for that. I mean, we can try our level best, but it doesn't work sometimes. So I can imagine how much more difficult exactly. it is for you. So you multiply that into 100 and that's how much, that's, that's how hard it is for people to come to psychiatrists and for psychiatrists to convince them that they actually need help. Touche, 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 buddy. So this particular belief in, uh, in a different system, I think even that is a kind of an addiction, if you want to call it. You're addicted to that kind of a treatment whether it's homeopathy or might be a placebo or might be whatever it might be, right? Would that fall under addiction or does addiction have a very specific classification? I I don't think that falls under addiction because addiction is more a behavioral pattern where you get, you know, hooked onto something and it dominates your life. You neglect other things. And this is just a strong belief system, probably passed on from generations and trusted on, you know, by elders on 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 the younger ones. So, that is probably why we are a little backward in, in this aspect because the fact that they have strong belief systems is good in many aspects, but in 
in such aspects it can also be a huge barrier but uh, funny you mentioned addictions i mean like you know if i could just segue a little bit into i don't think it was funny that <laughs> not a funny topic <laughs> no, no i agree it was it yeah but i was just talking about addiction and you mentioned addiction and another thing which has been on rise this pandemic has been addictions you know especially alcoholism which has led to a lot of uh, abuse also do you see a rise in uh, in addiction also among your patients huge huge i mean if you're talking about the pandemic yes anxiety depression these problems have really surfaced i wouldn't say it's i would say, yes it's increased but i would say it's surfaced because they were always there and this has kind of you know brought it forward addiction definitely yes and this has been a problem which has been on the rise especially in low and middle income countries so india if you look at india the alcohol use rates are going up all the other substances like cannabis use rates are going up now we're dealing with a lot of behavioral addiction which is gambling addiction addiction to pornography addiction to gaming addiction to internet so these are all behavioral addictions so yes it's it's rampant and you you take someone's social life out you take someone's routine out you give them a gadget and yeah at that age they're going to get hooked and you know they they will they're clueless about lifestyle balance and work life balance they just completely get hooked on so i would say probably more than substance abuse i would say internet and gaming addiction is probably really shot up since the pandemic yeah yeah i i must agree with you there vinay because see we are we are entering into this generation of uh, getting your uh, your dopamine fix so fast that you know uh, you can just take your your tiktok videos and your your real videos there's a reason why they're only 30 seconds and not more than that is because your attention span is now is so short and you need your next fix and then you're moving on to the next one so but having said that are there certain traits in people that uh, you know that makes them more prone to addiction yeah absolutely so you spoke about dopamine and that's interesting cuz actually more studies are now showing that people getting a high from playing a particular game is not very different from the high a, a drug user like a morphine user or a heroin user gets so the pathways are fairly similar so that's why they're kind of trying to reclassify this whole thing into a behavioral addiction so you know the medications for that addiction and this addiction is not very different yes we are going to give something a little extra to deal with the the toxicity caused from heroin and cocaine use but in terms of preventing them from going back to it it's very similar to the drugs we'll give to a person who's addicted to gaming so in in terms of you know dope and dopamine is the main culprit here and so you know i was mentioning about this emotionally unstable personality and these are the personalities where they're very impulsive they they don't really think they have a lot of difficulty in regulating regulating emotions so these personalities are at a very high risk of you know any kind of substance use there are other personalities also so people who have a lot of anxiety they're very very introverts people who are the reclusive types now they start you know maybe smoking some weed taking some alcohol and they are a completely different person and they they just completely lighten up and there's there everyone likes their company and they like themselves more in that state so they start using it more and weekends become thrice a week and it becomes kind of a necessity for them 
So that's called, that's called a self-medication hypothesis where a person resorts to substances to deal with their kind of problems. There are also a lot of other problems like you, you, you see people with antisocial personalities, people who, you know, who get into gangs and violence and stealing and they also, you know, resort to alcohol to give them that little extra courage. And so there are a lot of personalities that, you know, are more vulnerable towards addiction. This is why it's important that people who have this addiction problem, yeah, they go to a general physician and they get detoxified. So they take care of their health problem. But the next aspect of preventing relapses and talking about it and identifying why they got addicted and not someone else. Why if 10 people are going to smoke up, why do, why do two people get addicted? Why does the other eight not get addicted? Correct. So Correct. it's important that, you know, that's where we come in. You need someone to professionally analyze them, to talk to them, to figure this out. Because right now, the way substance abuse is treated in India is so sad because there's so much stigma. And they don't understand that this is actually a medical problem. Addiction is actually a medical problem. And a person who's addicted is just thrown into a rehab center for six months. It's like it's jail. They're beaten up, they're tortured, they're locked up. And they think, okay, that's enough punishment. He's going to stop. That's not how it works. But the other thing is always the relatives always shouting out that you don't give your child enough attention. And that's why he's going out and doing all this. Is that true? That, again, these are just rationalizations. I mean, they're, they're just trying to rationalize their behaviors and trying to play it's never one thing and it's in any psychiatric problem it's never one thing that's why we like to call it the biopsychosocial model so genetically there might be something in him that makes him more vulnerable psychologically something might have happened in his childhood sociologically some stress might have been there but all these things have to work together to make someone really go into this it's never just one thing right and i think we've been talking a lot about how it's affecting adults and stuff like that. And I think Ashu just brought up and you just did about how your childhood is and a lot of factors of it. Now, what about children? What about young adults who probably haven't reached a stage where they can take a decision by themselves, but it's a parent's duty to try and look out for these things and channelize the right help towards them. What would you say from that aspect? Yeah, when it comes to children with, any kind of mental health issues, the grassroots have to be there. We need a lot of school programs. We need a lot of screening programs. We need pediatricians educated on mental health. We need pediatricians educated on ADHD, on learning disabilities, on gaming, on addictions. And so it has to happen at a more primary level because of the stigma at this point, even if a child is suffering and, you know, a, a teacher or a friend says, go meet a psychiatrist, they're like, no, 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 my child's fine. You know, please back off. I'm not doing that. I mean, there's something wrong with you. So parents come only when they are helpless. But if someone else suggests that something might be off or something, the child might need something, they immediately get defensive. But, you know, sometimes, you know, I remember back in school, um, we used to have you know, the counselors. And for me, it was a bloody joke. It was like, they used to always want to know what is bothering you. And uh, nothing really bothered me. I just wanted to play the guitar more than I wanted to study, you know. But if I just gave them that answer, they never ever ex accepted it. And then I'd have to tell them, yeah, nobody ever listens to me. You know? <laughs> and then they were so happy, you know, and then they're like, yes, you know what? <laughs> so I think sometimes, you know, in school, it's a complete joke. <laughs> 
Ashish, you, you, what you said was funny, but actually it brings in a really important point. And you were really lucky that you had a counselor because your problem was just liking the guitar more than studying and not really something that, you know, you, you're going to, uh, you're not going to really, you know, panic or you're not going to go through any major depression because of it. But the fact that you were directed to a counselor, now in your position, if, if, it was, if it was a girl who was being sexually abused, she would be so glad that that counselor was there because she would have no outlet otherwise. The parents are not going to listen to her. She would have no one to go to. So having that counselor, you know, gives people the opportunity to deal with these kind of problems. And, you know, it's not for you, but for someone who's being abused or someone who's being really bullied, now they have at least some door which they can open so that they can start getting help. Absolutely, absolutely. Another thing which absolutely fascinates me, and yes, I know a lot of people struggle with it, is uh, multiple personality disorder. I'll, I'll tell you this, multiple personality disorders, you can only watch them in movies because a psychiatrist should, would be lucky to see maybe one in his lifetime. Oh, wow. It's so fantastic and people love to take movies about it, but it is one of the rarest things that we see. It's just not common. It's it's more like a there's so much of fantasy and all kinds of things that you can add that it's one of the best disorders that you know you can take <laughs> movies for. But it's we just don't see that in real life. Sorry to let you down. <laughs> By the way, I'm not let down, dude. I'm just wondering, one of our listeners who has multiple personalities are like, shit, dude. <laughs> I'm a superhero. This world has got me wrong. Yeah. Just, by the way, I hope you don't mean movies like Beautiful Mind because that's not multiple personalities. That's schizophrenia. No, no, no. no it's, it is a joke, actually. Like, psychiatrists joke about multiple personalities because no one sees it. It's an urban myth. <laughs> well, but when it, that is us normal people. But I hear that the hardest people to treat are doctors. And do psychiatrists go a little cuckoo after a while after seeing so many cases? Just an honest question. All psychiatrists and all neurologists, by the end of it, they all have tics. I'm waiting to check your and see your tic. Neurologists? No. Why? Because I don't know. They, I think psychiatrists and dentists have the highest suicide rate. Yes. So it does take a huge burden we need to have a very balanced lifestyle because the amount of i'm not saying we take everything to heart because at some point we also have to be a little i wouldn't say mathematical but i would say we, we would have to be rational and think about treatment steps and decision making and all that so we don't necessarily get emotionally you know involved in whatever the patient's talking about though at, when it comes to therapy we need to have, be open to it. But I, yeah, I think this really brings in the question of, you know, work-life balance and especially for, you know, in this case, psychiatrists or anyone who's dealing with a lot of stress, it's important that they have an outlet. And this is something that a lot of people are ignoring these days is this fast-paced life and work, sleep, work, sleep. You need to spend 30% of the day doing something you really enjoy and you love because that's the only time you can switch off. And this could be me time. It could be time with your kids if that's what you enjoy. It could be playing a sport. But if you don't give that time for yourself, you're going to burn out. And, and I've got golf, so that's what's keeping me going. No, I think what you said, Vinay, is absolutely true. I mean, and makes us all, us 
laymen who are seeking help from professionals like you and as well as Dr. Ashish were here, that even you guys find it tough and, and you guys are also susceptible to all these things. And it's important for us to take care of ourselves, keep an eye out for it, seek help when it's necessary, seek professional help. Do not hesitate to go to a doctor, to, to a psychiatrist. I mean, we don't hesitate to go see a doctor when we have a common cold or a fever. So why are you guys hesitating to go see a doctor when your own mental health is is getting completely off the track? So sincerely urge you, I'm telling you purely from experience that I've had the most positive experience from going to a psychiatrist and I've come out absolutely scotch-free, no electrical shock therapy or thing. I can tell you that some of the meds were really nice, but but they are not <laughs> addictive, uh, but it really, really does help you. Yes, as Dr. Vinay said, you need to spend about 30% of your life to de-stress and, and do things that you really, really enjoy probably like listening to the Odd Couple podcast. So so tune in every fortnight to the Odd Couple podcast where we bring to you really interesting stuff. And thank you so much, Dr. Vinay, for sharing your experience with us and patiently answering a lot of sometimes stupid questions. And most importantly, you know, coming in as that expert quotient among the two lame guys over here and, you know, sorting out, you know, all our issues also. Thank you, Dr. Vinay. I think it uh, it was much overdue, you know, your visit. And uh, we're really looking forward for some good medical sound advice for the both of us somewhere down the line, you know, to shut the crackpots up. Thanks, guys. It was first nice to catch up with you, God. And this really was... It was good because I, I've i spoken on other mediums, but to, in this kind of a setting where it's informal, but still very relevant to today's problems. So it really was nice to talk about this. Absolutely. And to our viewers, please sometimes don't take yourself too serious. Life is good. Get help. It's not so difficult. And like what Sid said, you don't always have to have medication. Sometimes just talking to the right person is the best medication. Absolutely. So thank you once again, Dr. Vinay. Thank you, Ashish. And thank you, everyone, for tuning into the Odd Couple Podcast. See you in a couple of weeks. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.